Hello, I'm your host, Jim McLean. Welcome to another episode of More Than Pixels on a Screen, a podcast brought to you by the Bandaflex Movie Review website. This is the third episode in the new series. It's a new name, but as I said before, listeners, it's the same old voices. Well, technically, because my guest this week, Adam Neeson. Hello. Hi, Jim. Adam, we've technically only ever had you on the pod once before. Mm. I believe. Yes. Uh, no, wait. Twice. Once in the studio and the other time. Oh, yeah, by Zoom. Zoom for Malignant. Malignant, which kind of brings into... It's connected to something we're going to be talking about in a future episode when we'll be talking about Megan. But that's not what we're going to be talking about this week. We are going to be talking about Rob Zombie's Wake Me Up From This Bizarre Fever Dream, his version of The Monsters. It's out on VOD platforms. Now, I believe in some areas it's on Netflix. I don't think it's on Netflix in the UK. In America, over here, Blu-ray and DVD. Yes, and uh, as I said, it's available VOD. Uh, just want to clarify, listeners, because it's an audio platform. When I said that, Adam shook his head. <laughs> <laughs> he shook his head and was like, yes, that works for audio. So, uh, more excitingly, though, I am delighted to say that on this podcast, I'm going to be getting a chance to speak to one of the stars of the film. That is Daniel Rohback. He is playing The Count. Or as we know him from the Monsters TV series, Grandpa, I think, played originally by Al Lewis, if I'm speaking off the top of my head. I'm shaking my head again. You're shaking his head? Not. You're not sure? I don't know. All right, okay. Okay. He's shaking his head. He doesn't know. Uh, we have uh, Daniel Roebuck. He's on the show. He's going to be speaking to him by Zoom. He plays the Count in this, or as we know him from the original series, just Grandpa, originally played by Al Lewis. So we have that to look forward to. Adam, before we get talking to Daniel and before we share our thoughts on the film, are you generally a fan of Rob Zombie? Um... Not really. Uh, this bodes well. <laughs> um, I've seen House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Uh, three from Hell. Yeah. Devil's Rejects. Halloween. Halloween 2. We'll don't talk about those. Um, they exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're in CEX for a pound. Um, That's other... a pound you're never getting back. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Um, also stars... Or Mr. Monster. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, Daniel Phillips. Daniel Phillips. Um, and I've also seen... You can see how well-researched we are for this pod. 31. Um, <laughs> I know the song Dracula. Yeah, there we go. So that's the amount of research we're bringing to this project. So I guess another way of putting this, as I kind of alluded to in my introduction, so when I first heard about this, this sounded like a weird fever dream. Like, it's like, wake me up. Rob Zombie is doing the monsters. Were like me? Were, were you a fan? I mean, I know it was out in the sixties, but then wasn't there the monsters today? Yeah, they kind of brought it back. And then I remember vaguely. I think there was like an Eddie Eddie Izzard starred in like a modern day kind of. I think it was only was it a pilot or something like that that they tried to to bring the monsters into a kind of more modern setting and kind of give it a fresh new kind of look. It was Mockingbird Lane. What they that's, called it. that's the one. I can't remember if it was a pilot or whether it was a series. I think it. I think it might have been a series. Email in, listeners. <laughs> this is what we're going with in this approach. Email any questions we don't know. Just email in and let us know. So yes, so it's been around a couple of times. I don't think it had the same kind of cultural impact here. I don't know. I mean, I definitely came it was out in the sixties. I remember it being on the TV when I was growing up, not in the 60s, but on reruns. And I, But I don't know if it was the original Monsters or whether it was the Monsters today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you remember watching it when you were younger? Um, I remember uh, during the summers I would stay with my uh, grandparents and BBC Two would run it from 12 to 1. Right. Reruns of the old black and white Monsters and... Um, there only was so many episodes. I think, mm-hmm. it, was I think it was only like two series. I think. Yeah, um, and I'm pretty sure I've watched all of them and did make a point of watching it every day. I was excited for the monsters, um, but it was always that: do you like the monsters or do you like Adam's family? Mm. You know, it's it's weird to me that I suppose because it's the '90s movie. Um, whenever the animated Adam's Family movie came out, a lot of parents were like, "Oh, it's the Adam's Family. I love them." And I was like, "From where?" Like, surely the monsters is what you would like more because it used to be on TV. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the the nineties monsters today, like you said, colorized versions, mm-hmm. um, all a bit 
nothing could beat the original. I remember watching the monsters today, being like, eh, this uh, doesn't really work. Um, which is what I said during Rob Zombie's the monsters. You're getting ahead of yourself. We're going to be getting to the review section very, very shortly. Because isn't, isn't it Fred Gwynn? Uh, yes. Fred Gwynn was, was Herman. And I think a lot of people probably know... Well, they probably know him from, from Pet Cemetery. You don't want to go up that road. Sometimes dad's better. <laughs> Sometimes dad's better. And then South Park Road. We don't want to go up that road. <laughs> and I'm not going to let send into just this podcast. Generally with me going down. Don't want to go up that road, etc. No, no, don't want to go down there. Sometimes dad is better. <laughs> don't want it to go down into the center. But a lot of people probably know his performance as, as Herman. From isn't it the the little clip that's went round and it's kind of become more relevant now where he's kind of speaking to isn't it Eddie the, his young son he's talking about you never judge someone by their color etc yeah. and this that and other. and it is it was ahead of its time it was a lovely sentiment and I think people probably know it through that or come, have come to the monsters through that so I like you I definitely can remember watching it on television can't specifically remember if it was at your grandparents Might and I can't been. specifically <laughs> remember if it was on BBC. I definitely watched it, but I'm not 100% certain whether it was the Monsters today or whether it was the Monsters. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, listeners. That is about half as much of a fact. That's about as much of a fact as you're going to get from this recording. So I knew about it. I was familiar with the source material. Then as I come back to... Because Rob Zombie's talked about this mm-hmm. for years. I think, I mean, was it... Bef- he, he's wanted to make this for quite some time and then... The stars seem to align, if that's the way you want to put it. And it, it came about, and I refuse, a bit like Joe with uh, Bullet Train, I refuse to believe that this film was, it was always going to be Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek movie. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah, it's, it's never going to happen. Rob Zombie is not going to make a child-friendly, and we'll come back to this, a child-friendly movie with the monsters is he going to be another Rod, um, Robert Rodriguez and be able to show that actually he can do it really well? He can't, listeners. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to preempt myself on that. But um, but yeah, can you remember kind of when you started hear about, hearing about the project? Um, I heard about it because they released set photos and they released like that first teaser mm. of a recreation of the intro. And I was kind of like, oh, they've done it? Like, it's... Not that they've done it as in, like, it was a good recreation, but obviously there wasn't anything more. It's kind of like, well, what else are you going to have? And then it was revealed, it was in colour, the guest stars, you know, you had Cassandra Peterson, you had Richard Brake, you had Hugo from Lost. I love the way you didn't even try to attempt. Is it George Garcia? Yeah, the guy from the Weezer album. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Um, and Sylvester then, McCoy Sylvester McCoy oh the great Sylvester McCoy and then um, it just kind of one day on Twitter was like oh it's it's coming to Netflix in America uh, and then a lot of YouTubers were like I think this came out on DVD um, weirdly I was waiting for it because I had reviewed it for uh, the Fry Club NI UK cheeky plug seamless plug yep because um, I'd watched nice guys I'd watched it through means Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> legal means legal means of course and uh, Sylvester McCoy actually brought a copy to my grandparents house um, and we watched everybody it. just goes to your grandparents house <laughs> we watched it together um, we built the robot from Treasure Planet from the McDonald's toys just to set the scene of <laughs> what I did that summer <laughs> um, me and Sylvester McCoy skipping stones down by the schoolyard um, so <laughs> so uh, what was the question? <laughs> uh, how is, what was Sylvester, what's your memory, summer memories of, I just imagine you and Sylvester McCoy having this one perfect summer. <laughs> and he drove away in a car and I never see them again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. He came back as P- Peter Davison. <laughs> I said, here you, and he's like, do you remember last year we kissed under the apple tree? <laughs> Oh, oh, it's all right. As long uh, as long as, well, actually, would he not come back? No, it wasn't Christopher Eccleston. It was, um, oh, God. The one that had the movie that no one liked. Oh, um. He kind of came back a little bit. He, they, they give him the, this is a complete, this is not going to make the cut. 
because Doctor Who is better than the monsters. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Doctor Who is better. So, yes, he came back. So, you had that one perfect summer with Sylvester McCoy. Mm-hmm. Then he went away and came back and was a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And you were like, who are you? Like, What's that cardigan about? Let's look yeah, like the You know, come on, mate. Get over it. Who are you? Eh? That's, what the, <laughs> that's what the film's called. A romantic summer. Who are you? Oh, why have I got the song in my head? Look around the world. <laughs> I've got that. I, I've, I've, li- listeners, I have actually got the full trailer constructed in my head. Just think of On Golden Pond with Adam Neeson, Sylvester McCoy and a robot. What do you mean, companion? <laughs> right. Yes, we have let ourselves get sidetracked. So I don't know what I asked you. I don't know where we went. So I think at this point, we're just going to literally just do it. And uh, yeah, so I think at this point, we I think we were discussing about Rob Zombie. Oh, yeah. I know the point I was going to make. Uh, Rob Zombie in the Dragula music video drives the monsters mobile. Yes. So that's his connection to the monsters. Right. That's in my head. I was like, I got to say something, you know, semi-intelligent. Okay, that was worth it. Yeah. Okay, that was worth it. So I think at this point, we are going to talk about the film. But uh, I was delighted to get the opportunity to speak to one of the film stars, Daniel Roebuck. I spoke to him via Zoom. So before you hear that interview, let's play a clip of the monsters. Hey, numbskull! <laughs> Excuse me, sir, can you speak up? I assume you are the Herman Munster character I've been hearing so much about lately. Yeah, I think I'm the only one. When they made me, they broke the mold. With you in it, I presume. No! I think I was out by that point. So that's a clip of Rob Zombie's The Monsters. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined by one of the film's stars, and that's Daniel Roebuck. Hello to you, good sir, all the way from Florida. Yeah, hi, nice to see you. I'm glad you watched the clip. Hopefully Grandpa was in it. Yeah. You you are on full brand, good sir. And it seems, from watching the film, it seems like you're having an absolute ball with this. Uh, do, you, do you want to tell us a little bit about your your portrayal of Grandpa and and where, in the, in the scheme of the narrative, where this finds the monsters? Because people will be familiar with the monsters. I know I am from the, watching the 1960s TV show. I'm not that old, Daniel. But I remember watching it on, on reruns. I'm not sure how big of a thing it came over to, to the UK, but I remember being it on. So I know we'll come, I will ask you about the TV series, but just tell us, tell our viewers and tell our listeners a little bit about your version of Grandpa, where we find him, and uh, a little bit about the narrative. Of course. Uh, Rob, in his infinite wisdom and genius, instead of picking up a story or telling a piece of a story of the characters we already know, he decided that he was going to make an origin story. So it's not a prequel. It's not a sequel because our characters have never existed before. So you get to see me, Count Dracula, the Count, um, living in my castle and, uh, you know, looking a little more like Vlad the Impaler, let's say, than, than, than looking like a stockbroker, like in the actual show with the tuxedo. And uh, so uh, I'm in my castle. My daughter, who is just 20, she's like a 20-year-old. She's dating idiots. Uh, <laughs> won't marry who I want her to marry. And uh, then she falls in love with this this Herman Munster character, as I call him. Um, and that's where, you know, Herman and I, in this version of the story, are quite at odds because I think he's the worst choice for my daughter. And I don't know, Jim, if you have a daughter, but I have a daughter. And boys did come to the house, and I would do everything in my power to make sure that they did not end up as my son-in-law. Daniel, I'm young enough and foolish enough to think I'm still the idiot. I want to ask, because I remember when I first heard about this project, and you've worked with Rob Four or five? I'm not quite sure how many times you've I can't even, I don't, about eight or nine, really. This, when I first heard about this, I thought this was a bizarre fever dream. It was Rob Zombie, <laughs> the guy that we know that does all the horror. He's going to be doing a, a, a horror film, but set for a, a family-friendly audience. So can you remember how, because you, you've worked with him quite a few times, when the murmurs of this project started to come about, and then how you got involved? Yeah, he just called one day. Uh, and asked if I would play the part. 
Uh, and I didn't know anything about it up until that point. He said, we're working on a new movie. I think you'd be perfect for this role. Would you be interested? And he said, you know, he said, Grandpa Munster, uh, but it's the count because Eddie's not born yet in the story. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Weirdly, Jim, my own sainted wife at the time was wearing a Lily Munster shirt while we were driving. And we looked at each other like what? And I even said to Rob, if you're punking me, this would be the cruelest thing anyone's ever done in my life. Um, and then, you know, um, the, the hardest part really was our excitement to do it. But then this thing, I don't know if you guys have heard of it there called COVID came up. And it kept, it's a small thing. It's a small I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going to have any traction. No, but, no. Uh, but it ended up, uh, you know, delaying us two different times. And there's a point in Hollywood where you keep getting delayed that you start thinking, oh boy, at some point they're just not going to do it. But then, man, when we did it, oh, it was the greatest. I used to say, people say, what was your favorite movie you've done? And I, I think, you know, I direct and write too. <clears throat> and, you know, the first movie I did, Getting Grace, I co-wrote with a great guy named Jeff Lewis, but you know, that was my my people, my characters, my direct. So that was great. But it's hard to top loving this since you're a little boy and then becoming this as an adult. It's hard to top it. How you, how you Where are you going to go from here? You know, well, where are you going to go I, from here, Daniel? I, I, I don't know. Great question. I when, mean, I don't want God to think I'm done. I'm <laughs> done. But uh, I am happy. Well, there could always be a sequel. Who knows? We could always go that way. I want to ask, because we've mentioned there about the fact that it's a project, so it's it's not kind of given us the characters that we, we know. So you've got a bit of space and wiggle room to play around with those characters. So we think, when I think of the monster, I think a lot of people will think of, of Al Lewis from the original series, from the 60s TV series. So two things mean that sense of being able to come in and put your shape on the, your twist on the character but also, I've got to ask, you come across someone who's clearly a fan of the series. So, uh, yeah. seeing yourself in the makeup for the first time. How was that? And you've mentioned your, your lovely wife. She has a, a Lily t-shirt. So, how did she find that? She, what, the, so, we I didn't get to wear the makeup in the States. I never got to wear it till I was in Budapest. Um, Jeff got to do a makeup test before we got shut down with COVID, but then we got shut down. So I never got my makeup test. Um, I was thrilled to, to, to wear the makeup. I loved it. Um, I want to say this about uh, Al. He was, uh, he and I were friendly. Uh, and Fred Gooden was my friend. We did a, an entire film together uh, for months, but Al and I were friendly over the years. And when, um, I approached this. It was, I will, I will use everything because he he broke down. He made it very clear how the guy should be, and I just got to put myself in that. Perhaps the mustache was nice that I could have my own version of it, and people didn't they didn't understand that I'm Dracula in Transylvania, so I look like Dracula did in the novel, you know, uh, and we shouldn't have to tell them that. But I thought the mustache uh, and the hair made it mine with the curl and everything. I loved all of it. And I didn't even know about the mustache until we actually put it on. And we all looked in the mirror, myself and Rob and the makeup designer and the two beautiful women who made me up every day. And we all realized that that was perfect. Like that's, that's, that's grandpa now. Ever wondered what it takes to make it in the movie business? Peel back the curtain with 4-6 Success Filmmaking. 4-6 Success Filmmaking is where filmmakers share their stories and the secrets. It's beyond competitive out there. There have been movies that it's taken me 10 years to get made. Don't wait to create. Like, you've got to just keep making stuff. Tune in to 4-6 Success Filmmaking for your dose of cinematic realness, direct from the voices that have lived it.
How long was it? How long was the makeup process for yourself? And I suppose even Jeff Daniel Phillips as well, who's Herman. I imagine we were equal because uh, uh, I had a, an additional forty-five minutes of hair, and his hair was laid over the makeup. Please tell me the forty-five minutes of hair was for the mustache, please. <laughs> well, the mustache, getting it right, you'd be surprised. I've worn fake mustaches often. It, landing it in exactly the zone because they're made for you is a little harder than you'd think. Oh, same with the nose. I mean, they put the nose and the chin on every day, but every day it lands a little different. And then they got to work to, you know, make it, make it con consistent. Um, the hair, the hair was because it had to be glued incrementally all around every, and you can't just put on glue and put on the hair. You can do this and then this and then this. Uh, but we were in makeup for about three and a half hours every day. I'm guessing you got to know your makeup, your makeup assistants and yeah, people very, very well. Very well. I would, uh, they would make my ears up first and then I would kind of zone out while they painted me or while they glued me rather, because you don't want to be moving at all. You want to just be a blank canvas for, for them. They work so hard. Uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, when they were painting me, I would put on a different music. Like I'd listen to Beethoven when they were uh, gluing, and then I'd listen to Meatloaf when they were painting. And then by the time they were done, I was ready to go. Two very different tunes. I like where you're going there. You're a cultured guy, Daniel. That's what we can say. I've got to ask, coming back on that, that thing I mentioned about Rob, working on something that's much more child-friendly, shall we say, than anything I think, or in recent memory, I can think of within his, his back catalogue. How, how did you find him on this this project? Did you see any differences from him, from a well, filmmaker point of view? I think he, no, it, it, you know, that's a very good question. He uh, he was the same, same kind of committed filmmaker as he always is. He's a very technically smart filmmaker. I, uh, I'm not as, I, you know, as a guy who makes my own movies, I don't, I, I'm, he knows his lenses and he knows his frame rates and he, he knows stuff that I'm always thinking, you know, about the acting and he's smart enough to know that and the acting. Um, that wasn't very different. We all kind of knew we had to just make these characters accessible to kids. Uh, the, the, there was some initial backlash over the, the colors, but, you know, the colors were, you know, inspiring and inspired to bring the kids' attention to stick with it. I don't know. We everything about it was great to me, and his his attitude on the set was uh, the same as it always is: professional and let's get it done and let's get it done right. From from you as someone who is a fellow filmmaker and an actor, what draws you back to working with Rob? As this way, as I say, you, you've worked with him quite a few times. I mean, how has that relationship grew? I'd imagine you're good friends now. How, well, how has that relationship evolved and what draws you back to working with him? Well, he's nice enough to ask. That's <laughs> that's a good that's, start. Yeah, that's a good start. I like when actors pontificate when really, you know, an actor, how did you choose this role? Well, I got, I got offered script. a paycheck. I read it and what, you know, we we're we're actors. Our job is to perform. Yeah. So uh, what I love about Rob is, uh, I just always loved him and Sherry as people. Uh, and I didn't know them that well, but the Munsters changed everything. I mean, I knew them. We were, we worked together and we, he'd be gracious to invite me to parties and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, we lived together for three months. And I mean, we lived together. We ate okay. meals together for the whole first month. Dad would go to the office and we would sit around uh, waiting for him to come back and tell us about the day because we because of COVID we couldn't really travel. All we could do is walk. That was our our that was our our gift. So uh, man, it was just great to get to know each other. He was a great thing, Jim. So you know he was the number one recording artist in America. Was it America or the world? Regardless, number one. He'll artist. love you even more if you say it's the world. Yeah, You're going I to get offered the next job, you know, if you yeah. tell him it's the world. He probably will if it's you say it's America, but if you say it's the world, definitely. I can hear yeah. your phone going right now if yeah, you say right it's now, the world. Well, I said, oh, oh, Rob, I didn't realize you were 
watching us film this. How are you? Um, he was a number one recording artist. He had the number one album. And it was just us there to celebrate it. And I thought, what a sublime joy. When will a person like myself, a kid from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, just try my best to be a good human, a good dad, a good citizen, a good person of faith. When will I find myself in a position where I'm actually cutting a slice of cake to celebrate this monumental achievement with an entertainer? Like, that's kind of great, right? So I, I just, I love those kinds of experiences that I get to have with him as well. Um, He's very, he's very, he's very good. And we met because we both kind of collect stuff. So when there's a toy like this in the 60s, Rob and I would both have had it. So when they put out a toy like this in in the, you know, now, it's clearly designed by Rob Zombie too, who put his stamp on it to make sure that um, this guy and this guy were similar in height and size and shape. I've got to ask, Daniel, is this the first time you've you've emerged in, in toy form or have you been in toy form before? <laughs> well, that one's not meant. Um, this is the first time I'm a universal monster toy. Oddly, I collect universal monsters. I have, uh, a, I used to have a museum filled with them. Now I just have a, an extended toy collection. Uh, will you be putting the toy of yourself, Pride and Pride, Pride and Center, in that in that collection? Oh yes, oh yes, I will, um, I because that's my dream come true. And by the way, that that's like the the small version. Having seen into the future and seeing the the NECA, the the actual Munsters toy of the Count and Herman, they're perfect. Um, if people go to my personal um, uh, social media, Facebook, I think specifically, it's Mr. Daniel Roebuck. There's an unboxing of, of this toy. Uh, you just go back about a month or two, maybe two months. And then uh, we have an unboxing of the next toy, which will come out whenever they release the toy. Finally. You're teasing us. You're teasing us, Daniel. And definitely... I, what can I say? You're embracing the power of social media to unbox to unbox toys. What's not to like about that? Look, we we are nearly out of time. I know that, and you've been very gracious this afternoon. Well, this morning with yourself, this evening here. What will our viewers and listeners see you in next? From a filmmaking point of view, are you working on any films behind the scene? And what will we see you in, in front of the camera? Thank you for asking. Uh, we're prepping a movie called Tuesday's Flu that I'm going to direct and star in uh, right now. Uh, we're going to shoot that in March. Uh, and then my personal films, my films, this one I'm, somebody hired me to make, uh, but my film, people can go to a channel of peace.org. We have one coming out in the spring and one coming out in the fall. Uh, these are my faith-based uh, movies. And uh, I just looked earlier just because I've, I, it says that I have 20 upcoming movies. I think 10 or 12 of those I've already shot. Um, I so, thought you were going to say 10 or 20 of those were going to be with Rob Zombie. But we'll... oh, yeah. I'll be in <laughs> anything that Rob Zombie wants me to be in. But, but you know, the, I think the other thing that Rob knows about me is I don't make any demands of anybody. You know, there's a part for me. Thank God I'm in it. And if I wasn't Grandpa Munster, believe me, I'd be on suicide watch. That's not a joke. If someone else had played my part... Someone else, if this statue is of someone else's head, you know, I'd probably be, this is, you'd find me like, um, but thank God it didn't turn out that way. Um, so, sorry. Um, so there's a lot coming out people can check and they can always follow on social media, Mr. Daniel, Ro Mr. Daniel Roebuck, everywhere. And I have the check mark so they'll know they're actually getting uh, my information. And just very quickly, what was the website again, Daniel, where people can see, find your movies? Oh, at achannelofpeace.org. Perfect. Achannelofpeace.org. Perfect. Daniel, it has been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully our paths shall cross some time again in the world and it will not through do, through the digital world. It'll hopefully be physically. Maybe we'll get you here in Belfast. Who well, knows? I would, I, would, I would be honoured and we could talk again when a little thing called Star Wars Jedi Survivor comes out. Um, that'll be out in a few months. 
but I don't think I'll get to Belfast before then. But I want to meet you when I come to Belfast. There we go. Sounds like sounds like a date, good sir. Daniel, thank you very much. All right, God bless you and your listeners. Right, so that's my interview with Daniel Roebuck. Lovely guy, Adam, I have to say. It was an absolute delight to speak to him. I would love to speak to him in the flesh, but uh, maybe we'll get to him Belfast at some point. So he's kind of set the scene for us with the movie, so we don't need to spend too much time on saying what's going on with Rob Zombie's The Monsters. It's an origin movie of sorts. We see the creation of Herman, how he met Lily, and there's a whole lot of other stuff that's going on. And, uh, of course, Daniel Roebuck's The Count is not too pleased that Herman is dating and plans to marry and, and does marry. Sorry, listeners, it is a spoiler, but if you've seen The Monsters, you know that. His daughter, Lily. So that's kind of as much as set up as we really need to know. What did you think? Good pilot for a TV show of The Monsters, maybe. Um, when I say good, I mean an attempt. Um, it's It's... A weird collection of bits tied together patchwork style to get the monsters from Transylvania to Hollywood. To Hollywood. You're not saying it right, you have to say Hollywood. To Hollywood. To, um, and it kind of. It's a real roller coaster for me because I semi enjoyed it, never laughed once. I think if you had a camera on me the whole time, my face wouldn't have moved. But I I didn't hate it until the end, mm. when it kind of has to settle into, oh, this is the monsters now. Um, some cool set design stuff. I know it was shot in Romania. Um, some really cool places. There's some good costume design stuff. Um, Sylvester McCoy, my uh, ex-lover, of course, is um, fantastic in it as uh, Batman. He's just making it up. No, because <laughs> he turns into a bat. That's true. Um, uh, it's it's hard to really pinpoint without being like it's terrible because it's not. There's a there's real love behind, you know, bringing this to the big screen bringing it to a modern audience, but still feels so old-fashioned that it's really at odds with itself for the whole hour, 50 minutes. Yeah, I I didn't enjoy it. And I want to say this because we were offered the interview with Daniel. I, I think he is probably the best thing in it as the count and that's not us being like oh we we talked to him yeah, no, he is not, genuinely the best he's but... genuinely the best thing in it he seems to be having a ball I think everybody involved it seems has had a ball working on this film you know it was, it was shot during Covid so they had to pretty much kind of uh, bubble together and I think that's why although I don't know if I buy that completely Rob Zombie has kind of said that he used a lot of cast members that he had worked with before so he knew that they would gel on set and you know his wife is playing Lily Sherry Moon Zombie she's playing the, one of the central roles so, No I don't believe you Shock I know <laughs> Shock how'd you get that how'd you get that gig but um, he's wanted to have a cast that he knew would work together in a I think I apologise it's been a couple of days since I did the interview with Daniel it was maybe two three months I think they shot this together this may be wrong. So they seem to have had a ball on set. It's just a shame. I find it very meh. And that's not going to go on the movie poster. I know that. Jim McLean, Banderflix, it's a bit meh. But I can see that there's genuine love and trying to not kind of step on toes from for fans of the series. But a part of me thinks if you're going to give it to Rob Zombie... Just let him go off and do it like the way you've had that. I don't know if it's out or definitely the trailer has been released for it. That weird Winnie the Pooh horror film. Yeah, Blood and Honey. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? You're... I haven't, no. He's uh, shaking his head. <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm class his... on the radio. <laughs> shaking his head, listeners. But part of me thinks, would it maybe have been better? And this is someone who did not like Rob Zombie's version for Halloween or Halloween 2. Halloween 2 particularly, I think, is a very bad film. Just speak to Jim McMorrow. Stop him in the street and speak to him, listeners. But uh, part of me thinks 
maybe he should have done an R-rated version of the Munsters and it might have been more fun. I don't know. I Because it seems like he's a bit lost with trying to do something that's, I think, looking here, it, it's a PG. And when I was watching, I mean, it's not that I'm shocked. I mean, it's just some of the gags and some of the attempts to aim for PG humour, which is supposedly for fun for all the family, parental guidance, parental guidance recommended. It seems a bit lost and I look at what filmmakers can do with a we we think I mean you've mentioned early on the Adams family you know what look what uh, look what Tim Burton did with uh, the first two Adams family films even whether you like it or not the Wednesday series although I think it's more of a 12 I maybe a 15 I'm not 100% certain I think maybe it might have worked better in a perverse way in a way that works more to Rob Zombie's strength because he clearly has a fan base out there I'm not one of them. I don't know if you are. I don't definitely don't get the, I don't get the vibes that you are a massive Rob Zombie fan. No. But do you think that might have worked better? I don't know. It's it's the. I know you can't. You know, I'm asking you something that you haven't seen. It's like Jim's like, wouldn't it be great if he just hadn't done this and done this instead? You know, instead of making something that's a bit meh, if he'd made a good film, yeah, of course I would have enjoyed it. it. You know, if you take a comedian who's known for edgy jokes, yeah. And you put the Michael McIntyre, of course, you know, the edgiest comedian out there. I have a drawer. It has a, a sharpener in it. I'm, I'm going to act out what lifting things in and out of the drawer and things that I see and say. You can't see it, but I'm bobbling my head. <laughs> um, you, you take like an edgy comedian, right? Someone like Les a, Dennis, Les Dennis, um, our survey says, <laughs> um, Great Les Dennis bit in the extras outtakes. Yes. Um, better than the monsters. Um, edgy comedian, put them in a situation where they have to do new jokes to children. They could maybe come up with something, you know, something a little bit silly, bring it down. Put a man like Rob Zombie in front of children and they run out screaming. <laughs> He's not a man that's known for humour. So why make a comedy? For kids. Yeah. If the man looks like he's never had a laugh in his life. I'm sure he's had a laugh once. He's watched Michael McIntyre, I'm sure. When they sent him the check for Halloween too. He went, <laughs> <laughs> when you see this. Um, I, it's, I just think it's beyond him to make a Monsters movie good. One, because he is such a fan of the original. Yeah. So he doesn't, like you say, he doesn't want to step on the toes of the original. And two, doesn't want to put his own kind of essence into it because his own essence is like black paint into water. You know, you're just gonna you're just gonna make it murky. Um, whereas like the monsters, weirdly back in the day was just a family sitcom, but they happened to be monsters. Monsters. Yeah. Um, the monsters were monsters. That's what they said in the board meeting. <laughs> Jim Cameron came in and said monster. And drew a big S and put a, two lines through it and said... And then they said Rob Zombie's involved and he took the <laughs> dollars out. He wrote change. <laughs> what have I got in my back pocket? There we go. That's what you can have. Because um, I, I, I want to say this in the bestest possible way. It looks really cheap. Yes. And I know, I think that's purposely done as a nod to the original, but it just... I can't see... How your average, maybe 15, 16 year old would, if you sat them down to this, considering the options that they have now through streaming, even just at cinemas normally or just through your grandparents VHS. I don't know. I think they would look at you and go, what the fuck's this? Why would you make me want to watch this? And I I feel bad because I don't like judging films by, you know, that sense of kind of looking what they look on screen. But this is, it looks cheap. Yeah. I mean, but saying that, the practical effects, the makeup, particularly, I come back to Daniel Rober. I think he looks great as the Count. I think Jeff Daniel Phillips, I think, looks okay as Herman. My, my problem with him is that his whole performance is based around Herman's laugh. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he's good at that point. It's like, right, you've nailed the laugh. And then everything else, it doesn't really work. And then there's stuff like where he's in a rock band. And then there's like, Sonny and Cher gag and you're like what the kid's gonna get that really yeah 
He he plays Herman like an arsehole. Yeah. Like to, even towards the middle when he watches um is it Sambo on the TV and he's like, I'm gonna be a rock star, put sunglasses on, and you're like, This is a completely this is not Herman Munster. Mm-hmm. This is some fucking weird character that they've made up just for a plot contrivance to be like, Well, now it's time to leave Transylvania. Mm-hmm. No rhyme or reason to it. And then whenever he gets to Hollywood Hollywood. He, sorry. Whenever he gets to Hollywood, he makes no intention to be a, a rock star. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. Mm, it's almost like they hadn't thought it through. Hmm. Or, uh, can I actually speak about one one thing when they get to Hollywood? Yeah. I was talking to um, the lovely Joe mm-hmm. about this. Um, the sequence in which they're in the car doing a sightseeing tour of Hollywood might be the second worst piece of uh, travel montage I seen last year. The first being the animated sequences from the Nan movie. Oh, see, I see what you did wrong there. Mm. You watched the Nan movie. Mm. Um, Why did you watch the Nan movie? And and more importantly, our listeners want to know the Nan movie or the monsters. Um, the monsters. Um, They're going to stick that on the poster. <laughs> Adam Neeson, it's better than the Nan movie. Me and a friend have a an ongoing, not bet, I suppose it could be a bet, but an ongoing punishment with each other that... You just rewatch the Nan movie? No, no, worse. We um, like to meet up and specifically watch made for TV, made for cinemas movies based on TV shows. Mm-hmm. Harry Hill movie, the Nan movie. Mrs. Brown's, that movie, got to be in there. Uh, I actually bought a copy of that in Poundland. Um, guess the price. This is the guess this the is price. the Joker again, where you went to see it like three times just to be sure if you liked it or not. I, I you're I, why they made a sequel to Joker. I seen it in the cinema and then bought the DVD and then about twenty minutes in took the DVD and threw it out the window of my flat. Um, so if you're, you know, so I would say I'm gonna say so twenty five fifty p. For how much you had to pay for that DVD? It was a pound, Jim. Ah, so you, you got short change, my friend. No, I had a pound on me. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> um, Edgy comedian Adam <laughs> Neeson. So, Entertaining your kids from next week. Uh, so I know what a bad movie is, is what I'm saying. And I think The Monsters is all right. Yeah, I, I want to kind of be clear on this. I don't think it's a bad movie. I really kind of wanted to go in and be surprised by it. In that sense that when, all those years ago, when Robert Rodriguez did Spy Kids, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was like, I really enjoy this. This is fun. I mean, I'm not the target audience for this, but I enjoy this, and I can see why younger audiences would get this. Watching this, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I don't see enough of Rob Zombie mm-hmm. coming through. There's little bits, elements maybe in the er- early on, when it's a wee bit what we do in the shadows when Lily's dating the the other guy and he's kind of Nosferatu-esque character. And then there's a whole gag about if you see this, is it you see this coffin a, a rocking, don't come a knocking, and you're like, yeah. that really? That's the best you can come up with. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of fart jokes thrown in there because if in doubt, you know, kids will laugh at farts. I laugh at farts. Yeah, it's the funniest bit of the movie. But I just feel. There's not there's not enough of Rob Zombie coming through because I think he's trying to do something that holds a candle to the original. He's clearly a fan, and I think many of the cast members are are fans. But I don't see a point in its existence. And I don't, that sounds really bad. I mean, it's not a bad film. I don't think it's even... I, I, I'll say this. I think it's like two, two and a half. I don't, th- I don't think it's a three-star meh, if I'm brutally honest. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. But I, I I can't even say it's three stars. Like two and a half, for me. Yeah, I would be the same. Um, like you would never recommend it to anybody unless you didn't like them. <laughs> this was like Sylvester McCoy. Like he's came back after all. He's like, yeah, watch this. Where have you been, <laughs> Sylvester? We have more monsters to watch. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we're maybe struggling to kind of talk about what else about the film. Uh, the other thing I think. Coming back to the casting, Sherry Moon Zombie as Lily. I've no problem with her performance. I think she looks the part. I think she's, and I even maybe in ex- to an extent with Jeff Daniel Phillips as well. I think they're slightly too 
old. I think, you know, they should have maybe aimed the cast slightly younger. But then part of me then, if I'm brutally honest, did we really need an origin story for origin story for the for the monsters? I don't think so. It's it's kind of if you cast them at that age, then why not throw in like an Eddie monster? Yeah. You know, like why not it seems like that age the second half of the movie should have been it's it's like um, Rob Zombie's first Halloween. Yeah. Where he has his meddling about the first half and then the second half of the movie is just a remake of Carpenter's mm-hmm. Halloween. He could have did this first half farting about Transylvania. Oh, um, I want to be a rock star. Oh, you can't be a rock star anymore because I'm pregnant. We need to look after a kid. Any monster. Blah, blah, blah. Second half of the movie. Whereas this is farting about for uh, an hour and 15 minutes and then here, uh, I need to go to Hollywood. Um, Hollywood. Uh, sorry, <laughs> keep misspeaking. Um, I need to go to Hollywood and meet um, Elvira in yeah. uh, non-Elvira makeup. Why? Ah. Um, we can get her in the movie. She needs to get paid. Um, shout out to uh, Cassandra Peterson's autobiography that came out last year. I uh, have not read it. Would you recommend it? Fantastic. Genuinely made me hate a lot of rock stars because she was a groupie back in the day. Okay. She tells a lot of stories about people, including the lead singer of The Animals, Scumbag. Um I shall check it out. I'm always a fan of a good uh, autobiography. I, I know I am about. Uh, I do love uh, Bruce Campbell's both of his autobiographies. Mm-hmm. What is it? If Chins Could Kill, and then I forget what the second one's called. Uh, email in. Yeah, Bruce. Email in. Email in. Uh, but yes, those type of being. I do not love kind of autobiographies from big A list, A list, from A list actors. That kind of standard. That's where you will get the real crack. That's where you get the true juice and true stories, listeners. Have you taken anything from that? So what's the name of that autobiography? Uh, I think it's just Elvira's Mistress of the Dark. Okay. I think. Um, I don't know. Email in. Elvira, email in. Yeah, there we go. So that's a lot of questions we're asking on this pod. But yeah, but I think we'll 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 bring things to a close. Generally, I don't think I could recommend it, as you've mentioned. I don't think I could recommend it to anybody. So it's coming back to that key question, like, is it good, mate? It's not good, but it's a disappointment. I, I wanted to be proved wrong. Mm-hmm. I wanted to enjoy this and be surprised by this. The thing that surprises me, if I'm brutally honest, is that just how clunky and just how... I think you alluded to that, like how strung together it is. I mean, it, it's it, you've got an origin story, you've got them going to Hollywood, etc. Do one of those. Yeah. Do one of those stories and do it well. Don't have... It seems like they've had a lot of ideas and just kind of throw them into the mix. And sometimes you get an omelette and sometimes you get scrambled eggs and sometimes you just get shit. <laughs> That's really nasty, so I'm not going to say that. Um, look, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I just think... It, it doesn't work. Some nice costume design. And as I said, you know, come back to the positive, not just because he was in the on the pod. Daniel Roebuck is the best thing in this. As you've mentioned, I would happily watch little half-hour episodes. Him, Sylvester McCoy, reminiscing... In my granny's house. In your, in your granny's house, reminiscing about uh, their days with Adam. Uh, there's a good um, Daniel Roebuck, uh, Roebuck uh, video on YouTube of him going through... His house, he has like uh, memorabilia from old horror movies mm-hmm. and he has a whole selection of old monsters memorabilia. We talked about this. <gasps> oh, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this because he now has a figurine of himself and the monsters in its now pride and place. So, I mean, it's a lovely thing. There is things I like about the film. It's just that that overall sense of, of badness clouds it and just left it very disappointed. And the disappointing thing for me is that I, I wanted... Coming back to that point I made with Robert Rodriguez, I wanted to have that type of thing. It's like, right, okay, this is the project you wanted to make. Surprise me. And the fact that I'm surprised, the fact that it just seems so soulless. Mm -hmm. Well, not soulless, but it just, there's nothing to it. It's like a wet paper bag. That's my problem with it. It, It's it's where stuff in the Adams Family universe kind of... um, succeeds whenever it came back in the 90s you had the energy of barry sennenfeld for those first two movies that really caught on with an audience like look at the third adam somley movie that went like straight to dvd with mm. tim curry yeah um didn't have the same energy didn't catch on and then you have 
uh, Tim Burton with Wednesday. You know, his style injected it that people really love. Adam's Family, the animated movie that came out, the first and the second the last few years. Kids seem to enjoy it. Isn't there two of those? There is two, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But if you ever watch them, they are disgusting pieces of uh, poo-poo. Stick that in the poster. (laughs) Fuck you, Nick Kroll. (laughs) Ruining Fester. Um, But that's what kind of this needed. You could see on paper, Rob Zombie, Monsters, loves it, inject a bit of himself into it. He has his whole friends, you know what I mean? Together, on paper, it's a home run. Mm -hmm. But COVID restrictions maybe... Uh, maybe COVID restrictions it, it seems like COVID restrictions budget reasons yeah. I think have played a big part in this and it's probably he's aspired to make Superman 4 and he's made Superman 4 the quest for peace there's a documentary on the DVD Blu-ray which you can buy now um, of the behind the scenes okay. of making this and Rob Zombie just looks tired well have a nap Rob I, I, I know how you felt watching it Okay. <laughs> We've all been there. So I think on that note, so look, that's that's all from us for this week. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to Daniel Roebuck for being on the podcast as well. And of course, Adam, thank you to your lovely self for being on this week. Thanks, Jim. So that's all from us. Adam, we're going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about Megan, which is just out in cinemas. So you've that to look forward to. Robot lady. Robot lady. Robot doll. So that's all from us. We'll be back next week with another podcast. But for now, until then, goodbye. Bye-bye.